why is Scooby-Doo so accessible to so many people and why is it so loved by generation after generation? Because it's a talking dog. It's a talking dog. Monday and welcome to the Geek Squared Show, the show where we talk about the things that we talk about. My name's Shaggy. And I'm Scoober. And today, you may have guessed, we are talking about all things Scooby-Doo. I am so ready. I have the Scooby-Doo shirt on. I have a Scooby-Doo mug. We are going to just offload a bunch of information about Scooby-Doo, our reactions to different things, our love. So buckle in to the mystery machine. Let's go. Let's freaking go. <laughs> I've also been excited, but I know that you are like next level excited for this been episode. I so excited. I love You're Scooby-Doo. wearing the Hex Girls right now. Like I know you want to talk Earth, about them. Earth, wind, fire, air, I'm going to just let you take take the, the reins on this one. That's fine. I will lead. Before we begin, I want to ask you an important important question to preface this whole thing. What is either your first encounter with Scooby-Doo, if you remember it, or just your earliest memory, if you don't remember a specific first experience with Scooby-Doo? I think my first memory is probably the original cartoon. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Yes, that one. I mean, I must have known about Scooby-Doo before this memory, but nothing really jumps out before going on the Boo Blaster Boo Hill, which used to be the official name of the Scooby-Doo ride at Canada's Wonderland. It has since changed its name, but that is my first core memory of Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is doing the Boo Blaster. <laughs> Whack, that's not even the show. Right? My fondest <laughs> memory of Scooby-Doo is waking up on Saturday mornings. And I think What's New Scooby-Doo was on at like 8.30 a.m. Yeah. So I would wake up and watch What's New Scooby-Doo. I would sit there and eat my breakfast and yep. just enjoy some yeah. mystery ink. <laughs> I've, I've got a question for you then. What, if you can remember, is the episode that you saw the most amount of times? Of What's New Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Oh, Oh. Or or where are you? It was What's New Scooby-Doo. I don't know the episode title, but it was one where it was the Scooby Snack Monster. The Scooby Snack Batter yeah, Monster. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one I've seen the most times. It's by no means my favorite mm-hmm. episode, but I've definitely seen that the most. Do you remember which one you've seen the most? Uh, the only thing I remember about it is that there's a dock. They're on like a pier huh. and it's like a carnival. Is it the Renaissance Fair one with no. the dragon? No, the villain is just some like ocean related guy. Interesting. <laughs> Does he have a hook hand? I think so, yeah. I remember that one. <laughs> I remember that one very vaguely. Yeah, I just remember they, they unmask him on the pier, like yes. right by the by yes. the water. I, think I don't I know, know why that's so vividly in my memory. But <laughs> I think I know which episode you're talking about, but it's not clear enough for me to know mm-hmm. the episode Like I couldn't tell you a monster. single detail about the other parts of the episode. Yeah, but. exactly, exactly. So now that we have talked about our earliest childhood memories of Scooby-Doo a little bit, let's do a little refresh of the Scooby-Doo timeline, just real quickly, so we can fully grasp how essential Scooby-Doo is to pop culture, how mm-hmm. long it's been around and how prominent it's transcended generations yeah yeah and it's been so prominent in pop culture at all times like there's always been a scooby-doo so it started with scooby-doo where are you of course 1969 and 1970 then there was the scooby-doo movies the scooby-doo show scooby-doo's all-star laugh olympics scooby-doo and scrappy-doo the new scooby and scrappy-doo show the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo that was in 1985 a pup named scooby-doo what's new scooby-doo shaggy and scooby-doo <laughs> sound bites. <laughs> <Sound bite. laughs> scooby-doo mystery incorporated which 
I also watched a little bit of. That oh. was 2010 to 2013. Oh, yeah. Be Cool, Scooby-Doo, and Scooby-Doo, and Guess Who, which is very new, 2019 to 2021. Among those animated cartoons, there have also been 42 animated movies, notably Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost, Zombie Island, Cyber Chase, Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, which just came out a few weeks ago, four live action films, two of those were theatrical releases, crossover specials with everyone from Kiss to The Undertaker to The Winchester Brothers to Downton Abbey. Scooby be doing. Yeah, and then outside the visual component, there's also comic books, video games, plays, apparel, home decor, amusement park rides, fruit snacks, dog treats, everything. <laughs> there was a there's an interview after the first live action movie. Mm-hmm. They got asked like why Scooby Doo is as mm-hmm. immense as it is. Sarah Michelle Gellar is that the, yeah. the so. She was like, you know, it's this group of friends coming together and it's not a girl show or a boy show. Mm-hmm. It speaks all these volumes about like evil in the world. Like it's not always yep. as crazy as it seems. It's sometimes just really simple. Sometimes it was just a guy in a mask. Sometimes it's just a guy in a mask. <laughs> but then Freddie Prince Jr. was like, I mean, it's a talking dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, like, see, I've, seen, like, I've seen that. I've seen that. It's like you get the best of both worlds. Like yeah. literally it's for kids, but it's also not. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Speaking of... The whole talking dog aspect. Did you know that Scooby-Doo was originally supposed to be a sheepdog? Interesting. Yeah, a very cowardly sheepdog. But the animators thought it would be too close to Archie's dog. Archie Andrews' dog, who was a sheepdog, is a sheepdog. Except for in Riverdale is not a sheepdog. <laughs> we don't talk about Riverdale. We don't talk about Riverdale. <laughs> anyway, so why, why is Scooby-Doo so accessible to so many people? And why is it so loved by generation after generation? Because so, it's a talking dog. It's a talking dog. <laughs> But further than that, there's definitely a formula to Scooby-Doo. So why is it that it has been able to outlast and thrive more than any other cartoons that came before, during, or after Scooby-Doo's initial reign 50 years ago? What gives a simple, repetitive concept such a high rewatch value? That's what I want to know. And that's what I started to dissect in preparation for this episode. And it comes down to a few things. The characters are all archetypal and only have to be tweaked a little bit to suit the time and the series that they are being a part of at the time. We have Fred, who's the leader, focused and level-headed. He's the driver of the van, instigates investigation, always has a plan. He is always the trajectory in every episode. Very type A personality. He's not perfect, though, because he he has a bit of a naive streak and he's a bit of an alpha male. And that's offset by both Daphne and Velma. So then we have Daphne, the well-dressed, trendy, offset by Velma. She's usually the damsel in distress, offset by Fred. But then they have introduced Kung Fu Daphne, I'm going to call her we literally see a wrestling match yeah right right <laughs> they li- flip. first of all awesome fight scene. <laughs> they cast a whole character just so there could be a wwe style fighting match at the end <laughs> it's so it fits so well <laughs> but both are offset by fred because either the damsel in distress can be rescued by fred or kung fu daphne can kick fred's ass any day and rescue herself <laughs> you better believe it <laughs> yeah right and then there's velma beloved velma She's the brains. Fred makes the trap. She's there to execute it. After Fred initiates investigation, Velma either finds the best clues or dissects all the clues that they have. Fred's putting pins in the wall. Velma's putting strings. Strings. Exactly. Exactly. Her fault is she's not super cool and trendy like Velma and Daphne. I mean, Fred and Daphne are. (laughs) And she kind of bridges the gap between these super competent detectives and Shaggy and Scooby, who are just the lovable goofballs. She fits well with either group if they split up, even more so in Mystery Incorporated, where she and Shaggy like had a thing for a while. I stand that. Honestly, anytime they've given Velma any partner, I'm like, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> like, to be the, honest. The only, th- <laughs> the only problem I had with the live action was that it was played by Seth Green. You don't like Seth Green? I love Seth Green. <gasps> I just, I didn't like him in that role. <laughs> 
More about that later. And then we have Shaggy and Scooby, and they are our protagonist and our secondary protagonist. They'll be looking for food, or they won't be looking for food. They'll be looking for clues. They'll find food. Everyone bridges together all the gaps and balances each other out due to these super iconic character types. It works in their favor, but you would think that it would become, it would get stale, but it never does just well, because of the balance. None of these iterations of, of Scooby-Doo have lasted a long time. Hell, the first one was what? Two years? Literally two yeah, years? Yeah. I feel like that's part of the key. They cut it before it got old. Yeah. They updated it. Mm-hmm. It's like Party City. Dormant all year. <laughs> Bang. Bang. <laughs> Halloween. And as much as we're saying that there is one series and then it stops and then it updates, it only updates in aesthetic and humor. Mm-hmm. Like every episode has this formula where it's like a mystery is presented, a motive to investigate presents itself. The gang split up and search for clues. Shaggy and Scooby find food instead of clues. <laughs> they stumble into the monster, which leads to this chase scene that I'm talking about, always set to music every single time. Undeniable bops in every single episode. Mm-hmm. Daphne is sometimes captured. The gang regroup. Fred says, I've got a plan. And then Shaggy and Scooby are bribed into doing their part. You usually acting as live bait. The trap fails. The monster is eventually caught regardless. The monster is unmasked. Velma reveals all their tricks. I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. And Scooby-Doo goes, Scooby-Dooby-Doo! And then the credits roll. Yeah. Every single episode. You know what? I wouldn't change it for the world. <laughs> Honestly, it's a it's a vacuum sealed bag full of liquid. Push on it to make imprints yeah. and in different spots and then other places bulge. And you can do that as many times as you want, but it's all... The formula is Mm self-contained, which I think is why it has lasted so long, because it's familiar enough that you're comfortable watching it. The formula is key. Because it's so, like you said, you can literally just put a little pressure on one part and another part shines. It's like, throw The Undertaker in there. Throw (laughs) freaking Billy Mays in there if you got to. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. It's simple enough that it will fit anything, but versatile enough that it's not going to be boring, Mm -hmm. which is, I would argue, damn near impossible to do. So the fact that it's done it is astounding. It is. It is. And the only time it has ever not succeeded is when they take that formula and remove from it. They can add as much as they want, all these colors and sparkles. But as soon as they start removing elements, that's where the fans have an issue. Because look at when they introduced Scrappy, threatened the dynamic between Mystery Inc. Because now you have this other... Jerkwad of a puppy. Yeah, this other annoying character. And he's always been poorly received, as everybody universally knows. And then same goes for the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, which removed Fred and Velma and made Scrappy a bigger character. And it just messed with the balance it even messed with the color palette because that is perfectly balanced i was gonna say that as well yeah because it put shaggy in a red shirt with blue pants so now we have no green no yellow because fred was the only blonde. blonde it was just weird it didn't work Anyway, now that we have dissected the Scooby-Doo formula, which makes me very happy, let's talk about some of our favorite Scooby-Doo's. Our favorite series, our favorite movies. Let's let's just get into this. This is the personal part of the episode. Part of what makes the series so good, like you said, is the soundtracks. Right. Because whether it's those chase scenes, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. They're always so good. They're all good. The two that, I mean, obviously this is nostalgia for me because... I grew up with them, but what's new Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo Where Are You have such different vibes. And I just wanted to ask you which one you prefer. (gasps) Oh, that's so hard. I think I prefer what's new Scooby-Doo, but that's also attributed to the fact that it's Simple Plan. I think it's, yeah, I think it's nostalgia (laughs) for me because like that's the show that I grew up with. Exactly. And speaking of the music, this has become such a Scooby-Doo staple, although there's only one movie and a handful of episodes that feature them. How can we not talk about the Hex Girls who were featured in Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost? It's not the best Scooby-Doo animated movie for sure. Zombie Island was regarded as the best animated Scooby-Doo movie. I can I can agree with that. Yeah, argument. until recently, it has been dethroned by Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. That was amazing. But those eco-goths just have a special place in so many people's Honestly, hearts. Honestly, even if the music sucked, like the aesthetic is nice. Right? <laughs> it's just a pop culture stamp. And do you know 
who voices Ben Ravencroft, the king of Halloween, other than like Vincent Price. It's Tim Curry. Tim Curry is Ben Ravencroft. I I found that out this year. Damn. Therefore, Halloween movie. Any movie Tim Curry's in, Halloween movie. What? I don't care. <laughs> I do not care. Yeah. Clue, Rocky Horror, Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. So undeniably, this is the Scooby-Doo Halloween movie. I would like to counter that mm. and say that the first live action movie yeah, you is know, the ultimate right. Halloween right. movie. <laughs> simply because Spooky Island. Spooky Island. <laughs> How are you going to have a skull on an island? And Like, you're right. I can't deny that I watched the first live action movie not too long ago in preparation for this episode, but also thinking to myself. it's so good. Yeah, and it's such a good Halloween movie. It's just, it's fun. The cast is, like, they're cosplaying. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's so great. And they're so good. Every single one of them. The opening scene alone is great because much like most Scooby-Doo movies and some of the episodes as well, it starts right at the end of the mystery. You see them talk about the plan, you see the plan go wrong, and you see the unmasking. And, the, and I wouldn't have got away with it too if it weren't for you stupid kids mm-hmm. and you dumb dog and Pamela Anderson. Anyway, back to that opening scene, though. I just get chills from the cast doing the absolute most, especially like I'll never forget and I will never not feel the joy and nostalgia that I felt in my heart seeing Matthew Lillard jump out of that barrel and go, Scooby-Doo, what are you doing? Perfect shaggy voice, yeah. too. I think part of the reason it's been so successful is the catchphrases because oh, they've all got yes, one. Yes, yes, yes. Even the yes. dog has one. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it is still jinkies. Yeah. Zoinks. Creepers. Let's split up. Let's split up. I have a plan. <laughs> Rut-row. <laughs> Scooby-Doo-doo. <laughs> like, it's just, it's oh, just. puppy power. <laughs> we don't talk about scrap, okay? Although I will say, actually, I did like the live action scrap. Yes, too. yes. The like twist it, on it, the character. It fit in the, in the context. Mm-hmm. It was perfect. That is arguably a perfect movie. It had mixed reviews at the beginning because people didn't know what to expect. There's a lot of hardcore older Scooby-Doo fans that were just like, I want to see the cartoon. And it parodied itself, which they didn't like. Fair enough. Fair enough. But now that people have sat with it, I feel like it is just loved. Foreshadowing for a future episode again i love media that is so self-aware that it's not afraid to make fun of itself absolutely and on top of all this on top of the parody aspect on top of the being true to the franchise on top of the cast killing it it is one of the staple movies of the 2000s so Yo, the fashion yeah, there's a few <laughs> movies that come to mind when you think of like the early 2000s legally blonde mean girls 13 going on 30 this is 100 one of those movies the fashion the music uh the slang the spring break vibe of Spooky Island. Sugar Ray was literally in the movie. Totally <laughs> like, forgot that, that was Sugar Ray. Oh my God. And the, we're talking about Mystery Inc. doing the absolute most, but the entire cast had such a rare dynamic. I loved the voodoo guy and Daphne. What was up with that? <laughs> but it was so good. I'm about to sacrifice this chicken. That chicken is dead. The love interest for Shaggy? Fisher. Isla Fisher. Isla. Isla. <laughs> Mary Jane. Her name is Mary Jane. That is like my favorite name. <laughs> I'm going to watch this movie again. It's so I watched good. it two weeks ago at this yeah, point. Yeah. I'm watching it again when I get home. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> like I'm watching it tonight. The scene with the Damon Ritus in the middle of them and they're all swapping plasma, whatever they yeah. called it, plasma photon, yeah. very, 2000s. very 2000s jargon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so good. The cast just nailed it. Can we petition for another live action? Oh. They had the same vibe as the first one because the second one was also good in its own right, but not as good. And exactly, I think that was because there was such a weird backlash initially from parents because there was a lot of stuff that was geared to adults. First of all, the kids would not have understood all the jokes that we are highlighting right now, (laughs) unless you, the parent, taught your kid those jokes. Exactly, and they wouldn't have known them. Exactly. (laughs) So because of that, I think they um, James Gunn. I can't believe he directed. I know, right? I think he had to change gears. 
to appeal to all those people. It was a jarring shift, but it did definitely appeal to kids and fans that wanted something more like the cartoons because it was very much like the cartoons. It could have been a cartoon. Other than Fred jousting with the Black Knight ghost, I feel like that wouldn't have played well in cartoon. That Yeah, that's probably my least favorite part. That that was weird. Weird arc for Fred in general. Correct. Talkings for wimps. Get out of here. But I will say as a child, I did like the second one better. So I can't really? say it was bad. Okay. So many fart jokes. So many fart jokes in the second one. And just sounds. Like a lot of the sound effects were just... <laughs> the leather. <laughs> Fred's arc annoyed me, but Velma's arc in the made second up. one, it made up for it. Because they did her a disservice in the first one. They had to change a few things because they ran a test screening for the first audience of the first Scooby-Doo and it didn't go well because of what they did with Velma. James Gunn wanted to explore the iconic lesbian side of Velma. But it was the 2000s. It was the 2000s. Warner Brothers, as we talked about when we did the Matrix episode, was not ready for that. (laughs) They had to rewrite a lot. And have you ever noticed that in the first movie, when Velma and Fred meet in the airport, they run into each other. They're talking and Fred's talking about he's writing his book. He's doing modeling or whatever. Velma's making rocket ships and everything. And Fred's super impressed. And then she just says, but more importantly, I'm on a journey of self-discovery. Never addressed ever again. There was plans, but they had to cancel those plans. The fact that they like had to cut away from Velma, but then they made her one of the prominent characters in the second one with her whole like, who's your mommy? <laughs> my My mommy? <laughs> Awkward Velma. Oh, it's so funny. Everyone can relate Mm -hmm. to all All of of the characters. I did like in the second one that they explored the gang all finding their purpose. I think that alone was enough to make me not like that movie because I was like, they can't do this. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? But there was a brief moment in the first one where that happened. They all quit except for Scooby and Shaggy. At the Bones, both of them were still good movies. The first one just rose above because it was just so self-aware. It's so good. But anyway, back to Leather Velma. Absolute icon. Halloween costume for forever and ever and ever. (laughs) If I could insert myself into any movie, it would have been Scooby-Doo 2, just for the leather. I love that she had her turtleneck under. Yeah, I just, you know, again, I wish uh, I wish it was not Seth Green in that moment. But, but <sighs> Little me had a crush on Patrick, enough. so I wholeheartedly disagree, but I respect. Fair enough. Respect as well. <laughs> respect as well. Because <laughs> you know what? I feel like everybody had a crush on Patrick. <laughs> Seeing as we're talking about Fruity Velma, do you feel like they should have done it sooner? Oh! Should I'm sorry, they for have those, done just for those sooner. that don't know, Velma is not straight. <laughs> Labels have not been disclaimed, mm-hmm. but definitely not straight. If you have seen Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo, which I highly recommend, is so good. Total tribute to the original cartoon. It's even animated in the original style, but updated for 2022. It's fantastic. But anyway, I, I will not talk about it too much because I do want everybody to just watch it. But more to the point, yes, they have removed that straight label from Velma or just like clarified things, I want to say. As I mentioned earlier, that was James Gunn's plan all along, but Warner wasn't ready. The test audience wasn't ready and they had to cut a lot of Velma's scenes and introduce this like random dude in a Led Zeppelin shirt. However, I think think it would have been too early. There would have been a lot of backlash and they might not even have been able to make a second Scooby-Doo movie. Now is this time. Now is this time. We are ready to see some fruity Velma. Yes, and Velma has long been an unofficial poster child for the lesbian community. There even was like notes of it in the second Scooby-Doo movie just based on her like, I don't know, I've never done who, what, nobody. I feel like that could have spoken to a lot of people in the LGBTQ plus community at that time, even now. Bottom line, whether it, it was to happen now or whether it was to happen 20 years ago. It has happened and representation is important. You know what? I just want Velma to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I do. I just want Velma to be happy. Whatever Velma is feeling, just let it be. You got to get involved in in the film industry. We can do some great things. (laughs) I just just want this character to be happy. (laughs) 
We need drama though. But happy. like happy. <laughs> happy drama. Happy drama. Oh man, Scooby-Doo is so good. I just want to highlight how iconic the mystery machine itself is. Oh, the style. I love in the second movie, they added all these cool tech things yeah, in the mystery machine. Which is awesome. It was so cool. <laughs> First of all, the back of the mystery machine is amazing. It looks like the Spice Girls tour bus. All I'm saying, I think van life, quote unquote, mm-hmm. has like surged in mm-hmm. recent years. Mm-hmm. But I think that is the purpose. That's the original or, or the cause. Van- I mean, the That's cause. the original van life. Think about who does van life also, mostly. Them hippies. Mm. What Shaggy and Scooby doing in that... <laughs> In the back of that, them cooking hip, up, them cooking hippie, up, <laughs> them hippie funky stuff. Yeah. I think they were all doing that hippie funky stuff. Yo, Velma was definitely <laughs> doing that funky stuff. Ain't no way she figured all that stuff out. <laughs> all right, right. <laughs> what if you just opened the mystery machine doors and it was just, just like a, a cloud? A cloud and everyone's like, yo. Yo, we're here. <laughs> all right, gang. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a plan. Yo, that's how Fred. That's why he's always splitting <laughs> them up. He's like, y'all, I just need some space. <laughs> and that's how he gets his plans. Because they all cockamamie and weird. <laughs> Nothing ever makes sense. Nothing ever makes sense. We cracked it. We freaking cracked it. What if, what if they are not solving any mystery? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) They're just sitting in the van watching a TV. They're like, they're watching Supernatural. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. That is too funny. And every chase scene is just their playing music. You remind me of man. Scooby doesn't talk. You stop that. Ruh-roh, Raggy. I don't know if this concept makes Scooby-Doo better or worse. <laughs> Surely they've got to make an adult Scooby-Doo movie at some point. At some point. To be clear, not an adult film. Right, 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 right. A film Those exist. about Scooby-Doo that geared is geared for an adult, adult. audience for entertainment <laughs> yeah. purposes. That was the original plan with James Gunn's film. I, I don't know who canned that. It might have been. Probably Warner Brothers. It was probably to Warner. the image. Yeah. We got to write it. We have to we be have the ones to, to do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll play Shaggy. I don't care. <laughs> I'll dye my hair blonde. I don't care. Okay, I'm playing nobody. I'll play Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I'll be Scooby-Doo's voice. No, I can't do that. You're better at Scooby-Doo's voice than me. I'll be Scrappy, unfortunately. <laughs> I am good at that one. <laughs> Scrappy-dappy-doo. <laughs> I'll rock him. I'll suck him. Anyway. Can we just, I know this wasn't planned, but can we just do a quick casting? <laughs> oh, for, for a live action Scooby-Doo? For a live action, like Stop this. R-rated. Um, oh gosh, this is hard. You want to go first since you've had some time to think about I it? I mean, time. <laughs> I just you came up with a question. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. You think I think? <laughs> I am Shaggy. <laughs> I am down. I am down for a Scooby-Doo live action reunion cast. Saluting to the saluting jazz that, cabbage. <laughs> saluting that freaking cabbage. That devil's lettuce. <laughs> Uncouth Brussels sprout. <laughs> You know what? That saved the episode because I really didn't want to end on my scrappy (laughs) new impression. (laughs) Anyway, this has been the Geek Squared Show. Thank you for listening to our Scooby Dooby Doo episode. It has been a blast. I've been waiting for this episode for so long. I know, I know. (laughs) We are still celebrating spooky season for one more episode next week, and it's going to be released on on Halloween. Halloween. I mean, what else are you going to do when it's a Monday on Halloween? Listen to the Geek Squared Show. It's probably going to be snowing at this rate on (laughs) Halloween. Here? Yes, it will be. Thank you for listening. It's been uh, a whole blast, a whole entire blast. Below, you can find all of our socials if you would like to give us a follow or give us a like. Also, if you have the ability to rate this episode or rate the podcast itself, please do so. It helps us out a lot. Also, below, you can find a link to our Buy Me a Coffee if you would like to fund the... And have a great day!
Okay. Well, let's just let's seeing as we're talking about fruity Velma. <gasps> I have a whole let's, uh, page. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I could. Uh, I, I have could. An but... entire essay. 